The following resources presented by the Counseling and Conference Services of IOM America. Welcome to the Identity Matters Podcast. We're very excited about uh, sharing with you some of the most profound but yet simple truths that are available from the Word of God. Well, is there anyone here that has been intentionally hurt by someone else? What about being unintentionally hurt by someone and you never let it go? I find... It's easier for me to process the forgiveness of someone who tried to kill me. Had a shotgun to my head. I knew he was going to do it because he was shaking. There was no idle threat. That story has been used so powerfully through ministry, it has blessed a lot of people. Versus an unintentional thing that was done to me that I still struggle with to this day. You see, there is beauty in being able to settle something with something that happened to you that was done intentionally. But see, unintentionally falls under covert. And you can't address it. You can't approach the person. And if whatever it is that was done unintentionally has really wounded you, infected you, and it's been affecting your behavior for most of your life, well, what are you going to do with that? So true, as in rejection, the worst kinds of forgiveness issues are unintentional. But loudmouths, controlling people, can't keep it to themselves, so what they end up doing is confronting the person, and they're going, what are you talking about? Where are you getting this? And if they do remember it, they're saying, like, really? I didn't know what I was doing. Unintentional. There's no resolution. Now the twist. That is the pain Jesus dealt with. Even with those that took meat out of his back, he said, Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. See, he took it to a new level. He understood even why the intentional ripping the muscle out of his back fell under the category of they don't know what they're doing. And here's why I believe he had such wisdom like that is because if that was the conclusion, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing, it'll cover every sin. There will not be one greater than the other because one created more pain. It would just be Satan has made the people stupid to do things that are unspeakable. He would get a yes from his father on that. 
So, you know, really in God's reality, it is all about the war between Satan and the Trinity. It's all it is. You're just pawns. Get abused, get have, have be beaten up, be persecuted, be distressed. You're just a pawn. And so when Christ looks at even the one who hurt you, he's like, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing to that poor soul. So in other words, we're not dealing with flesh and blood, but we're dealing with what? Powers of darkness, principalities, elders. That's what that is. Elders of the air. They function with authority. And we won't. We are, we are being tossed around like we are in the wind because we don't function by structure and obey and listen and carry out all... Demons do it. Who do we think we are that we could become our own independent authority? I'd look at those people and I'd say, what book did you write? Author, a T, what'd you write that gives you that right to tell others what to do or what they meant by what they said? It isn't the person, it's not the abuser. Something else is going on here. And by you putting the pressure on the abuser and holding them guilty, Wow, that's really helping you. How long have you held on to that baby? And have they changed? Has it changed your life? No, it's destroyed you. You're a pain to be around. Your unforgiveness is bitterness. Your waters are bitter. Because they held on to something to something that was done to them through Christ has looked at them and said, Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. So by you putting that much pressure on a human who was out of control because they were drunk or not drunk or out of their mind, I don't care what the reasons are. The fact is that Satan is driving them. He's using them like pawns. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit is after Satan and his dominion, his principalities, elders. And then you run around thinking you're God of the universe by trying to translate what God means by what God said. That is a fool. It's also the culture we live in. Forgiveness is huge. Everything is leading to this point. And if you try to find justice for some reason in the middle of trying to find logic, reasoning, understanding as to why this person would do this to you, you're not going to get the answers.
So if you look at the downward spiral in the spiritual world, that's where this, this guy's going, okay? And he will not get forgiveness, by the way. Guaranteed. So here's our bottom line at the front end of extending forgiveness and extending forgiveness before God in prayer is forgiving anyone who has hurt you. Once an indwell believer gets to this point, he usually is quick to release all anger and pain before God. Extending forgiveness to those who initially hurt them and in many cases is already to seek forgiveness from others whom he has hurt. Now what I'm going to show you here within the next few minutes is that every single reaction to a single offense has a minimum of five sins connected to it. Bitterness, anger, resentment, and many have a longer list because they're grudge carriers. The offender does do something to hurt them. The reaction list has more sins than what they did to them. You say, but you don't realize what he did to me matters not. God doesn't compare sin. If you want to do a calculation, what that offense did by you not forgiving has created, as in discipleship, I can get a full page out of someone just from one sin. And they're like, what are you going to do with this list? You're going to go to them and confess this sin to them. From their one sin. One, eighteen. One, eighteen. You talk about justice. You're staring in the face at it. If you want God to truly be just with you, you're in trouble, offended one. You're the one in trouble. And particularly if it's an unintentional accident. You know, they bash you in the side of your car and you've got a wooden leg. I had a client counselee like that would not let it go. The bitterness has been running his life since the accident and it was unintentional what do you want to pay go to hell for a little while and come back with a couple of wooden legs and you'll feel fine or will that do it will it be enough to cause suffrage of hell on this person well that's what they actually say when they say I'm not going to have a relationship with you to hell with you there are other ways of saying to hell with you Some really want their offender to burn in hell. I've heard that many times in counseling over 40 years. And then others just want to be to hell with you, meaning get out of my life. I don't ever want to talk to you again. You're a nothing to me. Well, that's cool because you're nothing to God. He thinks he's something when he's nothing, deceives himself. See the hypocrisy? The list 
alone should wake someone up and go, can I quit now? You sure can. Do not come back to discipleship until you're willing to do these lists. I am OCD on these next two teachings. These lists are very important to me because I know they are to Jesus. The person must see reaction is worse than offense. They have to see that. It will unravel every lesson we have gone through if that person does not see reaction is worse than offense. It's like being sent to jail and then stabbing everyone once you're in there because you're so bitter. Because you didn't commit this crime. How's that work? You see, there's no, there's no justifying our reaction. If you say to someone, well, I certainly can understand why you murdered your husband. There's no justifying pulling a trigger. So what do we have to do? It's actually the easiest thing to do. It's to let her go. Let it go. Get it out of your baggage. Toss it to the Lord. And that's what extending forgiveness is all about. I want to show you this achieving oneness cycle. It's one of my favorite diagrams. You can use it in so many applications. But that yellow star there at the top is basically whatever drew you together for this relationship. Friendship, marriage, whatever. It's a partnership. Political. Something brought the two of you together, drew you together to start a friendship. So what happens at the top of the cycle there is if it's in a romantic attraction relationship, hopefully it it continues on to marriage. So this initial attraction, as if you look back on your early marriage, for those of you who are married, and you look back on those times and you go, there was lots of talking and silliness and there was a lot of openness in that first quarter. After you're married for so many years, you kind of look back and go, man, wouldn't it be fun to be young lovers again? That's the phase that they're referring to. But see, it doesn't stay there. All of a sudden, exposure starts to take place because of being so open. You're actually giving your spouse weapons of mass destruction. That exposure leads to conflict. Because during the exposure time is really a testing time of whether you're going to weather the difficulties in your relationship. That conflict becomes other two diagrams I was showing you. Is there going to be more reactions or is it going to be a response of teaching the other person the forgiveness of Jesus Christ? Not your forgiveness, 
the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. Afraid to say that's not normally what happens. They separate. Starts in a mental separation, assuming the spiritual is intact. But it starts in a mental separation, which oftentimes will affect, you know, if they're going to keep going to church with their spouse, or if they're going to believe, you know, all these doctrinal things God has said, you know, do not divorce for you. It can and will affect the spiritual things, but it starts in the mind. The mind starts separating from the mind of the spouse. Pretty soon the spouse makes a comment of, you know, I really don't know you anymore. That's a sign there's, a, there's some separation occurring. And it moves its way down to emotional, social, sexual, physical, financial, legal, and a lot of times there is an agreement, a contract drawn up for dissolving our business partnership, dissolving our marriage, dissolving our whatever. That's how it works. Most leave it there. That's where it stays. The stories you hear about going back and, you know, waiting eight years and going back and marrying my wife who didn't remarry and we just decided to remarry each other again. We have friends in Phoenix and they were divorced and remarried eight times. Most just go on and don't cling to the spiritual covenant laws while they stayed divorced. They kept trying it again and trying it again until they came to our ministry and learned this. And then they sooner or later joined the ministry. It doesn't stop there. It goes into repentance. Then it goes into reconciliation, which is what we're talking about. Then you get your oneness. Then the cycle kicks in. The victorious Christian cycle. So they both learn that this is how it's done. Response, choose truth on the explosion point. Do it again and again and again and again and again. The things that broke you up are the very things that God uses to keep you glued. It's a great diagram. The personal conflict diagram This is someone who says, well, I forgive you. That's why the verbal or written communication of I forgive you after someone asks you for forgiveness becomes very fake Christian because the reality is the person needs to understand and embrace the full forgiveness of Jesus, not mine. But since Christ does forgive the person, I usually put the terminology in such a way of saying, in light of, or in the life of Christ, or as Christ has forgiven you, I'm right there with them. So the emphasis doesn't become me, or them asking for forgiveness. It is simply directing them back to Jesus, the forgiver. But, since they don't, you have this incident, they avoid each other, so that they can heal. They do come together. I mean, if they're in family, if it's a family issue between brother and sister or whatever, you still got to deal with family issues or business. 
You've got to fake the unity. You've got to fake it till you make it. Then you just kind of move forward. Sometimes you'll get so close to each other in unity, but you never really touch the two lines. You don't stay completely that far apart. You get pretty close, but in reality is you have never really released them to God. So what happens to us is this. This is the one discipler used with me to help me understand my fleshly habit of whatever. I'm done. Get it out of here. Get out of my cave. Leave me alone. Okay? So this is how I grew up. Person one, person coming in. Coming in. There's another incident. Another incident. Another incident. These incidents are not necessarily escalating in types of abuse. It could be the same kind of abuse, but since nothing's being done about it, they get more explosive emotionally for you internally. Sometimes that sin can be repeated in your mind over and over and over until 15 years later, you are just horridly bitter at this person. And you haven't even seen them in 15 years. It starts out as a pretending. Hi. It's the pretending. The church lives there. Don't you love going in church when everyone's smiling? We live here. And it goes on a little farther and you kind of tolerate them. You know, you force 200 people inside of a building and you are forced to tolerate. You're forced to keep your mouth shut. The present structure of how the church is functioning is not the biblical format. We're being forced into resigning ourselves to the fact, well, this is what we got for churches. Really? Could I send mine back? And then finally just giving up. They don't even hunt for equality exchange life churches anymore. Or try to start one. And that happens in marriage. Happens in business. Or friendship. Studying this page here of what it really means and what it really looks like of forgiving others. There's another page in your workbook of what it is not. Clearly know the difference between those two will help you immensely. There's a little list of nine items there if you look at that about the process what that process looks like. It's not I apologize for. It is I was wrong. Apologize comes from Apollo. And I'm just going to leave it to you to Google that one. It's the name of a God. And you find out what it is. But knowing this sheet is really, really helpful. And that's why we kind of cut and paste them. We don't expect you to read it from the slide, obviously. I can't even read it from the pulpit. 
but it is to get to know the finite details of what it does look like and what it doesn't look like. Because if not, here's what you're going to end up with. You're going to end up being the judge in the relationship. You become, as the offended, you become the judge in this person's life of the offender. They're the little peon, and you're the judge. And then you slam the hammer down to say, here is your sentence, go to jail. So then here's what it looks like. They get tossed in jail and the very bars that hold them in place are their distorted bitterness and anger and any other ramification that start loading up in their lives. Those are the jail bars. Is their own consequences for their own Refusal to choose truth upon an incident. Now, there's something very unique about this picture. Do you see it? It's not a typical jailhouse scene outside of his head sticking out of the bars. He's holding the keys. There happens to be seven keys on that ring put there on purpose. Because there's seven keys to freedom. He has the very keys in his hand to be set free from his own jail. And he won't use them. And neither do you. Do you know how much humility it takes to go to someone and say, I was wrong for these following things. These 18 things I am guilty of with you. And I'd like to go through this list of 18 items, as I did with my own father. And I'm going to pause after each one of them and just simply ask you if you'd please forgive me. Fully knowing that I was trained and discipled going into this thing that my father had no power to forgive me. He's not Jesus. So his answer matters not. Because I'm not there to get his forgiveness I'm there to show him what forgiveness is. Did you get that? By me going through the process of this, it's showing him, my son's free. He's not bringing up any of my sins. He's only going down his list and not mentioning any of mine. He brought up one of his sins when I was going halfway through the list and I went, Dad, do not talk about your stuff. I'm not here about you. I'm here because of what I did to you. See, they're assuming you're going to rip into them. My father and I had a complete different relationship after that day. And I didn't need to have my dad come to me with his list. I didn't care. It wasn't about that. But the cool thing is, guys, my dad got saved shortly after that. 
So it will do its job. Here's the get out of jail free card. The guy's coming out of there. He's escaping his own bitterness, his own hate, his own, his own stuff. He's not walking out of a jail created by his offender. He's walking out of his own bitterness through these seven keys. Study them well. Please study them well. Then when an incident comes around, which it will, by the way, if you hang out with them, there's conflict, there's immediate forgiveness on the spot, it happens again, there's immediate forgiveness on the spot, it happens again, there's immediate forgiveness on the spot. Incidents may stay the same, but the conflict is shrinking. That is the most common thing said in counseling when you give them the assignment. After we're all done with the extending forgiveness and seeking forgiveness, you send them in to build relationship, restoration, and they won't do it. They say, we're going to do this all over again. You've done nothing. You're just as bitter, stubborn, and angry as the day we started. You see, you did it for people-pleasing and not to be releasing that person in Christ. This won't happen with that person. We want this to happen so that the offender can still look at you and go, man, they are different. I want what he's got. That was my dad's case. I want what he's got. What do you you got? Jesus. This is what he did with me. And this is what I must do with you. My father is a big part of my autobiography because this worked. And I have used it since the day I was assigned to do it. A very long time ago. I have had to go and ask forgiveness from someone who did one of the worst kinds of sins that I know of. And I saw the redemption. Then I've seen others where nothing happened but arrogance. And then I learned that it doesn't matter. For God's sake, I saw with my own eyes Ted Bundy melt in front of us because we did this. Ted Bundy. And he got saved. Now the letter in my file, him thanking me and my buddy in Florida for being Two people who took the time to find out really what my true need was. And we did it through a lady going in and doing this process of seeking forgiveness for her bitterness. She had 16 items on her page. I've seen this work. 
That last slide of test of forgiveness is pretty simple. Everything has to be tested, okay? Your cookies coming out of the oven, what do you do? You, you poke them. You go, oh, there's a little too much goo there. Better leave them in for another five minutes. Or you're making your chili, and believe me, I can make a pot of chili for you. And, you know, you're making your chili, and you've gone through this whole process, and of course, it's, oh, yeah. I need to get into a bake-off, cook-off war. You see, there's the reward is the, after the testing. Forgiveness is like that. So the Lord will put us through these little tests. Okay, you did the pony show. Let's see if you can ride the big horse. So what the Lord does is he puts circumstances in place to answer these six questions. Sometimes the best way to find out if someone has extended forgiveness to him is slap them. <laughs> Just offer the other cheek. I mean, says, Jesus, hello? Someone just ripped off my shirt. Should I, like, give him my shoes too? Yes. He just drugged me a mile. Should I try to crawl the second mile? Yes. Well, you know, he's really evil. Should I, like, not resist an evil person? Yes. Throw it all Matthew 5. This stuff's victorious. It's real. It needs to be tested. And if you do well on those tests, I got a feeling you're going to see a miracle in that person's life. Here's our bottom line. Extending forgiveness before God in prayer is forgiving those who have hurt you. Of course, once an end to all believer gets to this point, he is usually quick to release all anger, pain before God, extending forgiveness to those who initially hurt them, and in many cases, is released to seek forgiveness from others whom he has hurt as well. Now, before going on to the seeking forgiveness message, to do this, to extend forgiveness to someone and then put together a list of your reactions from that sin and go into the person and say, I'm the one who has hurt you. You see, the first thing out of my father's mouth was, well, alcohol makes you do strange things you don't want to do. I didn't say anything. Because this is not about him. He could have wept and started throwing up all of his sins on me or whatever. I would have waited till he was done out of graciousness and whatever. Maybe even prayed for him. But that is not why I was there. I was there out of obedience to say yes immediately upon what I was told to do. For the testing period, I believe that's what led him to salvation. So is this too crazy for you? 
Most people are just trained to go to someone that you know you have hurt in the overt, not the covert. This is covert. Reaction is covert. Overt is you're the one who went over and put the shotgun in their forehead. That is common sense that you go to that person and say, you know, I was, was kind of whacked out. But that's not what we're talking about. We are talking about covert, the second level. The design of the human mind is to have the lower parts in place so we don't have to call them to mind and can't. Because it's buried. Now, people have learned introspective, you know, self-hypnotic stuff can bring that stuff forward. They're called psychics. But it doesn't, it isn't supposed to happen. It's to be left alone. It's buried. The answer is when the crap does get in the conscious mind again because of dreams or you know whatever it is, that's when the big T-circle, the big punch is applied in the conscious mind and that's pretty much what we do with that stuff. We encourage each other in those moments. That's the only solution. Because there are people that will repeat hurting you on purpose and intentionally until they kill you. There's several ways to kill people. So the repeat is that diagram of conflict, conflict, conflict. But if you take the T, the big punch of truth, hitting it right, right after, it's almost like an echo of them doing it again, you will notice through the years that that stuff they do to you doesn't have that big effect on you. But the answer is applied truth at its perfect moment. Be perfect as he is perfect. Do it like he does. And it says you will reap great benefits because of that. Statistics show that very few go through this process. They won't go through it. They won't do the list. If I can get someone all the way to extending forgiveness and I go, okay, send your list in. You know, they send 15 people. I say, now, okay, I need the list of how they offended you with each person. So the guy sends that. And I say, now I need a minimum of eight reaction things from you on every one of those single sins. Done. Which is okay. They're not ready. Call me when you're ready. And we'll finish this up. I got a guy dogging me two, three times a day from Congo. I've had to do this with him three or four times this year. He's like, I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready. This is it, I'm ready to move forward. And I go, okay. So I sent him some questions. 
I'm not ready. I'm not ready. I'm telling you, I'm not ready. But it's all in French. Well, parlez-vous you. Go get you. Oh, boy. Seeking forgiveness is the owie one. And it's rest abide walk. The fun one. And then love life. That just happens. You've been listening to Identity Matters Podcast. We appreciate having you join us today. Feel free to log on to our website at www.iomamerica.org. We have lots of resources available for you on the believer's identity in Christ. Again, thank you for joining us.